Hi, we're your hosts, Larae Spindler and Lori Subat, and we're commercial real estate brokers with Scout Real Estate in Calgary. And you're listening to Leasing Out Loud. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to Leasing Out Loud, episode number 17 with your hosts, Lori Suba and Lorraine Spindler. Thank you for joining us, everybody. This week, we are thrilled to welcome two guests to discuss a topic that admittedly I knew nothing about six months ago. (laughs) (laughs) You you and me both, Lorraine. (laughs) Yes. It's called strategic decommissioning. And after connecting with these two individuals and learning more about the positive impact that it's having on the environment, nonprofit organizations, for-profit organizations, and a plethora of others, we knew we had to have them on the show so that other people could learn more about this. So first, I'm going to give a quick intro to our guests. We have Mark Stables, who is a business records storage and commercial relocation specialist with Tippett Richardson. And Mark is a 22-year veteran of the moving industry, specializing in commercial, which includes industrial, retail, and office. So Mark has kind of done it all, and he's got a passion for creating and implementing a plan for strategic decommissioning as it relates to furniture, fixtures, and equipment. And Mark believes that Calgary really needs a comprehensive strategy for sustainability and landfill diversion and a viable circular economy, which I have to throw out there, Mark, I really love that term, circular economy. And how that can benefit Calgary and area charities and nonprofits. So we're excited to have you on the show. And we also have James Lowe, who is a member of the senior leadership team at Lignum Interiors, which is a Calgary-based project management and construction advisory company who specializes in institutional and commercial interior construction. And they've been around for almost 40 years. So they've been at the forefront of Calgary's construction industry and are known for the depth of their technical expertise, um, high quality project delivery, and unparalleled commitment to client success. So thank you both for being here today. Thanks, guys. Thank you for inviting us to join you. First off, let's define... What exactly is strategic decommissioning? So, Mark, can you tell us, how would you define that? Well, in Calgary, we have a massive amount of empty space right now that needs to be occupied when Calgary is ready to grow. And that creates a tremendous challenge for the industry in that every one of those spaces needs to be decommissioned in a fashion that is sustainable for the environment. Mm -hmm. And it presents a tremendous opportunity to do the right thing as well. And what I mean by that is that term that I referred to of circular economy, we need to break out of the mentality of that everything that comes out of an old space needs to go to the landfill. And I have a specific passion that came out of standing on the back of a truck about 15 years ago, and I was throwing desks and bookcases and chairs, and at that time, even electronics weren't being properly disposed of. And something happened inside of me where I went, there's got to be a better way of doing this. It was probably about forty dollars to $50,000 worth of furniture and equipment. And it was just being crushed. And I watched this big machine crush it into the ground. And I said, I'm going to do my part 
in coming up with a plan. And that's where the word strategic comes in because decommissioning is going to happen. Mm -hmm. But if we don't put it together with a comprehensive plan, the natural default mechanism is it's going to go to the landfill. And there's a lot of elements and ingredients to make that right. And it's bringing partners like yourself, like brokers, architects, designers, all together talking the same language and thinking the same way. We've got to create a circular economy. A lot of the stuff can benefit charities and not-for-profit or be sold you know, at a really reasonable price by used furniture companies as well. Right. Yeah. And I think you make a good point because there's so many different people in the industry and they have different roles and sometimes they're involved in the process at different stages and they can often get siloed too in kind of their day-to-day and what they do. And they're not communicating with other groups in the industry where to say, look, we've got all of this stuff, furniture that could be of value to someone else, but either they didn't know about it early enough and the day arrives and it's got to be put somewhere. Well, and then it ends up being anywhere from three to 10 truckloads. And each truckload is about two to 7,000 pounds, depending on the density. And that just goes into the landfill. And then a generation from now, we've got a major problem with leachate. And I know that I'm going to talk some terms, but that's a big issue for the future and how it affects our environment and how it affects the legacy that we're passing on as well. So I think it behooves us as an industry to start talking about how we become very proactive about being strategic in decommissioning. I believe that there's a wave coming in Calgary where this real estate is going to be filled and it could create big problems with lots and lots of poundage going to the landfill if we don't do it properly. Right. Yeah. The scale is massive, Mark, when you start thinking about how much vacancy we're talking about. And we've talked about this on past episodes when we're talking about how many millions of square feet need to be filled. It's actually quite mind boggling when you think about all of the infrastructure that is within those spaces, that needs to go somewhere, right? Yeah. If you can't reuse it or the incoming tenant can't see the value there, it's wasted. Yeah. So my particular passion is in the furniture and equipment side. And James, he's got more on the fixture side in the way that that can be recaptured and kept out of the landfill as well. So I won't steal your thunder, James, but mm-hmm. super excited when I heard about how you <laughs> have been thinking about doing decommissioning right. Yeah, that's a great segue, Mark. So James, how about you share with us how the role that you and your company would play in the process? Broadly speaking, we define strategic decommissioning as our approach and our strategy for assisting landlords and tenants to meet their lease closeout obligations. The driving force for a lot of our clients, especially in today's economy, is cost efficiencies, both in their new construction needs, but also in their remediation needs. So Mm -hmm. where we try and step in is by providing a cost-effective and also a socially and environmentally conscientious solution to that decommissioning that, as Mark pointed out, it's going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is make sure that we do it the right way. And in doing so, we're able to unlock a lot of hidden value for clients save them money on their remediation, whether it's the tenant or the landlord. But ultimately, I totally agree with Mark. As an industry, we're capable of doing a lot better. The need for a circular economy, in my opinion, it goes beyond avoiding the landfill and diverting these goods from the landfill and assisting the nonprofits Mm -hmm. in gaining access to these goods. There's kind of a middle piece that we should address there, and that is small growing businesses in this city mm-hmm. that are looking to get access to office space or retail space. 
and they need to reduce their construction costs in order to make those deals work. Certainly the leasing mm-hmm. community can testify to this. We can. <laughs> deals struggle to close if the numbers don't align in terms of a tenant's expectation and a landlord's expectation or willingness to accommodate. And that's where reducing TI costs can really come in. And because of our high demand and the number of clients we represent that are looking for low-cost construction alternatives, when we approach our decommissioning projects and we're looking at them through that lens and we're considering, for instance, we have five projects right now where the clients and the design teams, project teams are actively pursuing lightly used construction finishes. So we're able to step in and provide that alternative and access to goods at a highly reduced cost. And in some cases, we're seeing that that's becoming a financial bridge that's necessary to help close those leasing negotiations. And it's great that in helping those transactions close, we're also helping a project to be decommissioned in a more responsible fashion. Yeah, you raise a great point there. And costs are a big, big driver for a lot of tenants in this market today. And anything you can do to help to reduce those expenses means success all around, right? Absolutely. And I think as an industry, the other thing that we can do that helps the environment is reducing our demand and our reliance on virgin good materials. Mm -hmm. Our new construction projects that are utilizing new finishes, that's not always the most responsible approach. Sometimes it's not in the client's best interest especially when they're conscious of the construction costs associated with those purchasing of new finishes. But the environmental impact caused by the manufacturing of those new goods is significant. And I think as we move towards increasing our environmental awareness and fulfilling our environmental responsibilities, that is a key component that we're able to reuse these goods and get the full life expectancy out of them. Mm -hmm. Carpet is not manufactured for office interiors with a three-year life expectancy. It's life expectancy far outstrips that lease mm-hmm. term. No, you're right. We're very active in trying to pursue those end-user projects where these finishes can be utilized and reused. And I think the term reuse hasn't been used enough over the years. Right? Recycling got really popular, right? Yeah. I even think about what you guys are talking about and the true impact that that can have is pretty staggering. And the word has to get out. Absolutely. You guys have touched on what are some of the benefits? What would you say maybe is like the top three? For me, number one, it's landfill diversion. So that is the number one benefit Mm -hmm. in my estimation is if we're strategically doing decommissioning right, we can reduce the landfill effect. And we can also dovetail this with the conversation that the city's having about, they set a goal for 2025 to reduce landfill impact by 75%. And so if we as an industry, commercial, industrial, retail, can align our goals with that, that we want to try and do a 75% reduction, and there's cases where that is happening. The other thing is, it costs about the same dollar for dollar to take it out of a building and take it to a charity as it does to take the time to put it in a truck take it to the landfill, the time that it takes to go through the landfill and the landfill fees. You're almost at a cost neutral. Mm. And so when the decommission is being thought of, and if you can think that your dollar to dollar can get you the same value, but you can put a smile on the face of a charity at the end, that to me is one of the biggest benefits because then you've created a circle and you've created a circular economy. And that tends to the reason why I use that phrase and term. So I'll give you a case in point. A few years ago, Like I said, I'm very connected in the charitable world. 
And I believe that we as business people need to be giving back to our community. Mm -hmm. And so I was working on a project with the Calgary Women's Emergency Shelter where then they decided that they needed to move. And all of their stuff was really old and it was end of life. And there is an end of life where Mm -hmm. something has been reduced, reused, and it needs to go. Mm -hmm. Okay, there is an end of life. Mm -hmm. But they needed to find some gently used furniture. And we helped them source out. I think it was 27,000 square feet worth of cubicles, bookcases, file cabinet seating, conference room tables, Husky donated 22 fully suited rooms, and we did 22 additional cubicles for them as well. And the grand total was 35,000 pounds was diverted from the landfill. Wow. And the Calgary Women's Emergency Shelter Save themselves on the bottom line, it would cost them between $500,000 and $700,000 for that in new furniture. Wow, fantastic. That's amazing. And the whole cost for them was between ten dollars and $15,000 for the relocation and the building side. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, and it's a huge smile. Mm-hmm. Those of us that aren't seeing those projects, we just don't know about that. We don't know that that's happening or it's possible. Yeah. That's incredible. So landfill diversion, Mm -hmm. that's your top benefit there, Mark. And obviously that's something that we all want to see more of. James, what about you from your perspective and your role in the process? What are some top benefits on your end for your clients? Well, I think the environmental win is important. It's kind of the driving force and it's why we started to take a more strategic approach to this. The social benefits and the economic stimulation that can come from helping smaller businesses and growing businesses to build at a lower cost is a very important factor for us. And then helping to reduce the financial burden for tenants or landlords, the financial burden associated with the remediation work Mm -hmm. by unlocking hidden value in the fixtures, the construction finishes, and furniture and equipment. Those are kind of our three primary areas that we seek to address. And as I said previously, cost efficiency is important for many companies and landlords today, and that can't be overlooked. But what we're finding is we're able to accomplish a really good balance here where Mark mentioned the city of Calgary's landfill diversion rate. On our last decommissioning, we diverted 90% of goods from the landfill. And that's actually a full diversion from landfill and recycling. So those goods were directly fed into new construction projects and helping to support those businesses that were looking to complete those projects. Fabulous. So the numbers are impressive when you put the effort in to try and align the dots and try and identify and establish that balance between supply and demand. What we're seeing is that the environmental win is huge. The win for small businesses is significant Mm -hmm. and the win for landlords is very high. Yeah, great. And if I can interject, I think we just have to not be afraid to say to the clients that there are other options. There are other ways of doing it. Mm. And let's build into this enough time so that we can accomplish these milestones. Mm -hmm. I've enjoyed your Leaking Out Loud podcast before Mm -hmm. where you talked about time being one of the most essential ingredients. And even in strategic decommissioning, time is one of the most important ingredients. Right. Common theme there. Yeah. Yeah. It allows you to be thoughtful about how to bring the pieces all together because to your point earlier, you were talking about being strategic. Yeah. It's really hard to be strategic if you're in the race to the finish line, right? And you're trying to get something done and you don't have enough time 
to thoughtfully work through that process. So I think that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. yeah I totally agree with that, Mark. And I would say that that is probably our biggest call to action is encouraging clients to give themselves and give us enough time to support them in their decommissioning yeah. goals. From engagement on all of our projects, we always look at the lease closeout and the new build strategy as part of the overall move and migration plan. And we're constantly trying to get clients to address those back-end lease closeout obligations as quick as possible and make sure that you're assessing them correctly. I think there's some misconceptions in the industry as in terms of what finishes have value and what does not have value. Mm-hmm. So bringing on board somebody that has the technical know-how and the project experience mm. to be able to identify finishes that can be reused and repurposed. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, somebody that may have a project underway that could utilize those, that creates that perfect marriage of convenience where the stars align and we get mutual benefits all around and the environment is a significant beneficiary. Yeah. James, you raise a great point there. Maybe let's give an example for our listeners. When we're talking about decommissioning and we're talking about leaseholds, I think it's really important to be able to give some examples of what types of things can be removed from a space that can be repurposed. You know, are we talking about doors and frames as an example? Are we talking about carpet tile? What types of things are we looking at that we could basically take out of an existing space and repurpose elsewhere? Yeah, I'll give you some examples, but let me provide a little bit of context here. So Perfect. Like interiors, we're an interior specialist and a large percentage of our work is in the downtown office space market. Right. We do industrial and retail, suburban office and do work all across Calgary, but a large percentage of our projects are downtown and our high-end corporate offices. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. So when we're looking at strategically decommissioning a, for argument's sake, a law firm's office downtown Calgary in a double-A platinum building, we're talking about a very, very high spec of finish mm-hmm. that was built. And typically the age of those goods can range from five to 10 years mm-hmm. at the point that we're brought in to decommission it. So if I look at the decommissioning opportunities from a downtown building and a legal office and the multitude of uses throughout suburban and industrial Calgary, there is nothing that can't be pulled out of that space. So from ceiling tile and grid to even some of the HVAC mechanical components that are up in the ceiling of that space, Mm -hmm. everything down to the slab. So millwork, millwork doors and frames, glazing panels, wall insulation is a big one. It's not a heavy item, but it doesn't break down. It's not environmentally Mm -hmm. friendly and it's bulky. Mark could probably testify Mm -hmm. how fast insulation will fill up those trucks. And the cost isn't going down just because it weighs less than the other load. The landfill mm-hmm. costs may be reduced. Right. The short answer is if we're building a low-end office in suburban Calgary using beautiful finishes from a professional services firm downtown, there's not much that can't be repurposed. But in order to repurpose it, you firstly need the project that can take those goods and you need a construction team that have the depth of technical skill required and the knowledge of each of those components to be able to reconstruct them elsewhere. And that's where the industry falters a little Mm -hmm. bit. There's a lot of work that needs to go into taking something from one building that might have an eight foot six ceiling, Mm -hmm. taking those finishes to a building that has nine foot ceilings. Just that six inches of ceiling height change can change the repurposing potential. Mm -hmm. 
The carpet, millwork, lighting, mechanical, plumbing, fixtures, finishes, all of it. Amazing. The used furniture market is very strong in Calgary, mm-hmm. especially with our current working restrictions and so many people working from home. Mm-hmm. There's a huge demand for high quality office desks and chairs for home office mm-hmm. use. You know, I think there's some very responsible outlets and sales avenues for those products. And mm-hmm. we don't try to get too involved in the used furniture market. Yeah. IT equipment, telephone equipment, there's some limitations there, warranty issues and so on, mm-hmm. software redundancies and so forth. They create some challenges. But when it comes to construction materials, there's, you know, the drywall is really tough to salvage, but everything else for the most part, yeah. if the right project exists, we can rehome it. You can find a home for it. Very cool. So we can. And when we find those perfect projects, we've got a few of them that are currently underway. What we find is that we're able to reduce construction costs somewhere in the region of anywhere from 25 to 40%. Wow. A reduction on construction purchases ultimately. Mm -hmm. The labor doesn't change. Sometimes the labor increases because you're having to remove it and then reinstall it. It takes a little bit more time and skill and know-how to make that Mm -hmm. happen. But Mm -hmm. you're eliminating that new goods purchase cost and the environmental impact associated with the new good manufacturing. Yeah, that makes sense. Very cool. But that's fascinating. I don't know about others that will be listening to this, but the list of the potential to reuse is far greater than I initially thought. So that's really neat. Very, very cool. Yeah. And I want to dovetail, if I could, about electronics, because I just did a project where I was helping a school that was on the verge of closing, and I helped them recycle all of their electronics, and I even gave money back to them after the removal. And then some of those electronics were actually repurposed. And I got a call today that a charity was able to purchase eight tablets at one-tenth of the cost of what they would have because this was repurposed as opposed to recycled. And there are entities out there, and I'm partnered with one called Quantum Lifecycle Partners that actually helps do that properly. And they're working with this charity. I got that call earlier today. So it was kind of a goosebump moment for me. Super cool. Incredible. Great stories. Yeah. So there are ways of even working in the electronics world. That's part of the equipment thing. And I probably kept tens of thousands of pounds of electronics from being just simply recycled but also finding a new home. So those possibilities do exist out there as well. Yeah, a win all around, you guys. Good news stories. And we need this type of creativity, I think, in this market and innovation. So I applaud you both and bringing this to light. And I think it's great that we had you on today to talk about all of the great things that you're working on. I know I'm already thinking, my brain is ticking, thinking about all of the different ways that we could leverage your skill sets on different projects that we're working on right now, really to benefit our clients as well. So I think it's really great that we get the word out about this, because if we're not talking about it, we don't know about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And the call to action, especially to industry members, right? And building in more time. So I know some of our audience includes business owners, architects, and landlords. So excited to get the word out and Mm -hmm. optimistic that we can get more people talking about this. Absolutely. That's great. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, James and Mark, for joining us today on this episode. I learned so much about strategic decommissioning, and I'm excited to apply my learnings to help our clients in the future. So thank you both for taking the time 
to chat with us about this today. Thank you, Lorraine and Lori, for inviting me to join you on this podcast. I've appreciated the opportunity to talk with both of you and Mark, and I think this is a great topic that definitely deserves more discussion as we move forward. My pleasure. If anyone has any questions for Mark or James, we'll post some information about how to reach out to them, but we're happy to answer questions too. So we love feedback. And if you have any questions on this particular topic this week, shoot us a note at hello at scoutrealestate.ca. We would love to hear from you. Chat soon.